Welcome to Storyboard, I'm Lars. I'm Meg. Today we'll be swinging the spotlight over to the actors. We've each chosen one actor and we'll be unpacking three of their deep cut films. We'll also discuss what actor-director collaborations we'd like to see, pitch an original film, and take our final bow by leaving you with some items on our cinematic radar. Pull up a chair, baby. So in the spirit of inspired artistic partnerships like Penelope Cruz and Almodovar, um, we wanted to pitch some actor-director collaborations that we would love to see, whether it's like a director we love and we don't feel like they found the right actor to sort of bring out their vision, or maybe an actor that like they're underappreciated. They need a director mm. to like bring out their their genius. So did you want to yeah, start, start it up? Ooh. <laughs> I keep hearing your toes. So I guess my uh, proposal is an actor that I want to pair with the director whose muse, if you will, has <laughs> and will, yeah. is supposedly moving on down the, down the dusty trail. We'll yeah. see what he's up to. Mm-hmm. So I love P.T. Anderson. I'm a real mm. threadhead. <laughs> <laughs> and pretty much all of his other films. And as we know, Daniel Day-Lewis uh, may be retiring from acting. That's what he says. Maybe Who the hell not. knows? Yeah, maybe not. But maybe not doing any more movies with him. So I feel like we need a new actor collaborator. Um, so my proposal is Jodie Comer from Killing Eve. Oh, shit. So she She was on my mind because yeah. she just got nominated uh, for the Emmy for Killing oh, okay. Eve, which I definitely feel like she's probably the Emmy performance in the second season of Killing Eve. I mean, she's Eve. doing so many voices and stuff. I mean, you know. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like she makes all straight women feel a little bit gay. Yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, but I think that she can do that really, like, black, black dark comedy mm-hmm. so, so well. And I think that would jive really well with Paul Thomas Anderson's mm-hmm. eye for that bleak but cutting uh, humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely. I feel like there could be a lot of good dialogue. I would see her as more of the protagonist. A lot of his movies have a male protagonist, but I feel like she could be a very commanding stage presence. Like definitely. she's the Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what sort of era I'd like to see her in or like that he hasn't done yet because he's done like what was mm. it the early 70s late 60s 60s 50s 70s hmm. 50s or maybe just modern day has he done a modern day thing in like a Punch while tro- not in a while okay. yeah yeah so modern day why not modern day or like maybe like a late 80s Lux mm. kind of okay um, well you know I'm always into that <laughs> yeah, yeah late 80s <laughs> business world or something I feel like she'd be a great really frightening executive Yes, it's called Frightening Executive. executive. (laughs) I love it. Well, um, I personally have a sinking feeling that Eva Mendes has been spirited away just to have Ryan Gosling's kids. And I don't like that. That's just a hunch. That's, you know. Are they a couple? I think. Oh, I don't know. I I don't know if they're still together. But But they were. Okay. I just feel like... He's stifling her. I don't know. Maybe they're not together anymore. (laughs) This is allegedly. This is in my own mind. Yeah, totally. So I would love to see her develop a collaboration with a director who sees what she's really capable of. Because if you need proof of her acting chops, we got Holy Motors, A Place Beyond the Pines, Bad Lieutenant. And I'd also like to see her contribute to the writing. She wrote and directed a short in 2011 
which I did not know about. So I want to see her in like gorgeous gowns and pantsuits, and I want to see her scheming and like laying traps. So I think the director to play out this kind of stylized drama would be Tom Ford. Oh. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of Nocturnal Animals, but I think Eva would flourish in that like wild and sexy, dangerous world of, of Tom Ford. Yeah. So, a single man? Is that Single his? man. Yeah, yeah I really that liked that a lot. I could see that yeah. kind of vibe. Yeah, and I definitely like the style of nocturnal animals. I just had some problems with like the plot structure, but anyway. Yeah. But visually, um, I think she could really mm, flourish in that, for sure. that environment. But I don't have anything beyond that. I was like, <laughs> no, just sure. gorgeous gowns and totally. Yeah, and even Mendez. Oh, I just thought of you know what I would love to see is not a remake, but a sort of homage to um, King of New York, that Abel Ferrara movie. Yeah. I feel like that could be a good. Um, I'm not trying to say tidbit. Why? Like, I can't think of a word. Yeah, but I feel like that, like, she would be really great. That vibe, yeah. Yeah, as the queen Queen of New York. Queen of New York. Yeah. All right, on to the main attraction. Which I guess we're calling an actor in three courses. There you go. <laughs> three scenes? I don't, three scenes. Yeah, I don't know. Yes. Uh, so we each picked an actor that intrigues us for some damn reason yeah. and decided to uh, explore some of their work that we're not as familiar with. So not what they're best known for, but... Scratching the surface, plumbing the depths of the yeah. IMDb page to yeah. see, yeah. is this anything? Yeah. Is this person, you know, what yeah. What else? What is their range? Yeah, exactly. Maybe the, yeah. the deeper cuts. Um, I, I definitely went back. I went more to the origin stories. Yeah, for sure. So I, um, I was trying to retcon it, and I was like, okay, who's like an interesting actor or someone that's kind of been on my list of movies? And I was like, oh, wait, I'm seeing a pattern. Virginia Madsen. So mm. I, I went in that direction. So my first one is Slam Dance, 1987. Oh, Directed yeah. by Wayne Wang, who also did Chan yeah. is Missing, which we mentioned a few episodes ago. And the writer, Don Keith Opper, um, didn't write much else except the, <laughs> I think the Gremlins rip off Critters. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Oh, I think there was I've a seen few, part of... There were a few Gremlins okay. uh, rip offs. There's Ghoulies or something <laughs> else. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe that's the one I've seen. Yeah. Um, oh, and also uh, Don Keith Opper um, is an actor, and he starred in a series in 2000 called Harsh Realm. <gasps> so I, it didn't look like a good series, but I was still like, what? Whoa, they took it. They must have taken they had it from hype. The hype. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, that was just a little tidbit yeah. on the side. But I did what I always do. I made a lot of assumptions about uh, a movie based on the still on movie. Uh. And it had, um, I was like, oh, Virginia Madsen vehicle. Um, it's going to heavily you know, feature her, and she looked awesome in this like gorgeous dress and this, uh, what looked like a dark dance club in the 80s. But really, she ended up being just this murdered woman that we barely see. <laughs> and the main character, Tom Hulse, I believe is how you pronounce his name, I'm not sure, who played Mozart in the film Amadeus, is just this like shitty cartoonist named Drude, <laughs> um, accused of her murder, and we mostly follow him. So it's a little bit of a bummer Drood? there. Drude? Drude. Like D-R-O-O-D. Drude. I can barely remember what happens, which is not a good sign, because no. it's not a week ago. But suffice it to say, Drude is separated from his wife, played by Mary Elizabeth Mastro Antonio, 
I think is her name, um, who's also in the abyss. Mm. Um, they have a kid, but Drood meets, uh, I'm just going to call her Mads, because I don't want to say Virginia Madsen yeah. 18 times this show. So he meets Mads at this great nightclub owned by Drood's pal, played by British pop star Adam Ant. Uh, mm. <laughs> Drood, yeah. Drood has an affair with Mads, and she ends up murdered. The police played by Harry Dean Stanton <laughs> and John Doe of the band X. Oh my god, our hottest trail. Yeah. Ooh. So some really interesting casting. Yeah. Um also some thugs are after him, I guess. Um <laughs> and I don't remember. I'm sorry. And Drew's got to figure out what ha- what happened to Mads and save his own skin. So, yeah, for a movie with such interesting casting, it was slow and boring and disjointed. <laughs> oh, damn. But it was well shot and it had great art direction. Um, I wish the movie had spent more time on Adam Ant and his club mm. so I could sort of suss out the style a bit more. I couldn't quite grasp if it was like punk or sort of club kid or just, I don't know. It had yeah. an interesting style. Huh. Um, so I, I probably should have paused a little bit more to be like, let me check out these outfits. <laughs> um, and also, Drew's apartment appeared to be a former spa. Like day spa, like steam room <gasps> with tile everywhere in a sunken living room, oh, and it God. really worked for me. Yeah, I was like, I want to cover everything in tile now. It totally. looked really good. Um, and of course, I could have used more Virginia Madsen yeah. because she was barely in it. But it's available for free on Tubi, so oh if you're my feeling God, you're brave, in your damn Tubi, <laughs> maybe Tubi <laughs> show, Tubi show. Um, so I mean, I've, I've heard a- of this movie. It's too yeah. bad that it's not. It's a shame because there's so much I've good some, stuff. Yeah, I think it could be like re-edited or mm. I don't know if remade but basically re-edited or maybe just put on mute throw it on mute and throw it up at a party is yeah. like a weird background thing um yeah anyway just be like what do you think should I cover the living room, room in, in mauve tile in tile <laughs> yeah <laughs> how about you so I uh recently showed Joel Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown for the first time. He had never seen it. And I was like, ooh, I love Antonio Banderas' look in this movie. He's not a main character, but I kind of had forgotten. I mean, he looks very contemporary, very au courant (laughs) in his little high-waisted slacks and little, like, wire rim glasses. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I thought, you know, Antonio Banderas seems to have, like, his Spanish language films are Mm. one sort of... Uh, level of respectability and yeah. renown and quality. And then I feel like, especially more recently, his English language films yeah. are, you're like, hmm, the Spy Kids and <laughs> no, Spy Kids. Puss in Boots. Oh, yeah. And there's a real typecasting thing with the Latin lover yeah. kind of aspect. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to dive a little more into Antonio. I'll be calling him Antonio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, he was discovered, he was a theater actor, and then he was discovered by Almodovar in the early 80s. Uh, he put him in a Labyrinth of Passion, and then he was actually in, like, a ton of Almodovar movies, mm-hmm. uh, including, like, Matador is a really famous yeah, one. Love that one. Skin I Live In is really famous. Uh, actually, his new movie... Also has Antonio, oh, uh, Pain and Glory. Hmm. I think I so I haven't seen that yet. Will be seeing it, but I think yeah. it's like him playing a version of Pedro Almodovar. I don't okay. know. So I just wanted to dig a little deeper because uh, it, you know, besides like the Mambo Kings and Philadelphia, I feel like a lot of his English language roles just don't live up to like the quality of the roles he's given in Spain. I just think yeah. there's a bit of, there's a lot of othering going on where they're mm-hmm. like, you are Spanish and have an accent. Yeah. Part of that could be that, I guess when he, f- I was reading that when he first got 
introduced to Hollywood by Madonna. Yeah, Madonna was like, this guy. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't speak English, so he had to learn his lines phonetically. So that sort of, you know, he maybe got typecast as like, oh, just put him as a hunk because he looks great, even (laughs) if he doesn't know the language yet. So my first pick in my Antonio journey is Bajarse al Moro or Going Down to Morocco. Uh, It's from 1989. It was directed by Fernando Colomo, who has a number of pretty big Spanish film acting and directing credits. And I learned while researching this, most recently in 2019, ran as a candidate for Senate in the Spanish general election with a leftist coalition ticket. So that's what that director's (laughs) up to. (laughs) Bajarse al Moro is based on a 1985 play by Jose Luis Alonso de Santos. And uh, so it stars Antonio... And then a slew of other pretty well-known Spanish actors, Veronica Forque, Juan Echenove, Aitana Sanchez, Guijon. And so they play these four young people. Antonio is Alberto, who is this young, very recently emerged from the bourgeois nest fellow who has joined the police force, but he's living with his girlfriend, Chusa. And her cousin, Jaime, or Jaimito. Basically, Chusa and Jaime augment their income by selling hashish. Oh, and do. so Chusa regularly goes to Morocco to get more hashish and <laughs> smuggle it back. Yeah. But Alberto is a policeman, so yeah. there's kind of a there's kind of like something going on there. Chusa needs someone to go down to Morocco with her to help smuggle more drugs back. <laughs> and she happens to run, to her fr- run into her friend Elena, who is this girl who's also sort of recently um, left the nest, let's just say, <laughs> of her mother, who is sort of inexplicably, as far as I can tell, driving around looking for her in this, like, tube don't like this shark-shaped... <laughs> Car. Okay. Like shouting for her. It's okay. a very ridiculous movie. I should oh, say okay. it's like a very silly, funny movie. Okay. And Elena's like, yeah, I'll come stay with you and I'll go to Morocco with you. But the problem is, okay, this is where it gets very, it's very silly and sp- like a Spanish sort of yeah, just like a wacky comedy. Okay, yeah. Because they're, Elena's like, I am a virgin, so I will not have the space in my vagina. <laughs> to store enough hashish. And so uh, Chusa is like, oh, no problem. Like, Jaime can help you out with that. Because the girls, Elena's basically like, I am still a virgin, not because I want to be, but because anytime a man gets too close to me, I start, like, hiccuping and, like, freaking out. And then it scares them away. (laughs) She's just, like, a weird insult. (laughs) Kind of. But, like, a really hot one. Um, And so... You know, Elena comes home with them, and it's like, it's kind of this interesting thing where, you know, it's the 80s post-Franco era where, you know, we've seen this with a number of our films, that it's like this explosion of hedonism Mm -hmm. and drugs and, like, free love after the dictatorship. And so it doesn't quite work out with Jaime trying to Does he put it under his toupee? Like, did you see that guy that put a big bag of cocaine under his toupee and it's just, like, flopped on top? There's, like, flops and some slops just, like... 
Like, you know, you admire the gravitas. You know, he went for it. Yeah, that's 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 all I could think of the whole time. I was like, hey, if it doesn't fit in your vagina, just just maybe try it it on on top top, under a wig. You know, what ends up happening is then uh, Chu says, like, maybe if you can't get it on with Jaime, maybe you could get it on with Alberto i.e. Antonio. Mm-hmm. So it kind of all just devolves from there. I want to say I don't want to spoil it, but it's actually really hard to find this. And I watched it in Spanish without subtitles. So oh, I don't know if it's... I try to usually pick accessible movies. Yeah. This is just I mean, was no. not that accessible. Yeah. So I do recommend it. Don't want to spoil it, but yeah. just giving you a warning that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that it may be a little bit tougher to find. Some clever Googling is what I call it, like, wink, wink. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it is an interesting exploration of attempts to form maybe a non-traditional family structure after the oppressive, hypocritical Christian family structure under the Franco regime. But, you know, it's kind of like that pull between these sort of, like, hyper-conservative values mm-hmm. and then Chusa and Jaime, who are much more liberated yeah. and fun and artsy, and Chusa yeah. has the coolest outfits, and it's just, you really end up loving her. Antonio's character does not come across mm. very well. He's really a dickhead. Okay. And a bit of a foil. Mm-hmm. He looks very good. Okay. It's a great movie, but... Um, I feel like a consistent theme in all these movies is that he plays a character who's not so... Definitely not the good protagonist, Yeah, I guess. Well, there's kind of a somewhat similar theme to mine. I wouldn't say that the ones I'm talking about today are, like, recommendations. It's yeah. just more, this was an exploration. Totally. I chose an actor. They were, I mean, interesting in quotes. Like Not, like, interesting, <laughs> but, like, interesting, like... Uh, you know, someone should do a long-form discussion, not here exactly. I'm just doing a little brief overview. Right, yeah. But, yeah, like, my next one, actually, all these, I could see, like, how did this get made or somebody like that, like, yeah. doing a, an episode. Especially this one, though. So my next one is Modern Girls. Oh, and as far as we're talking about, like, themes, I feel like Virginia Madsen, I, I didn't learn until I watched all these. I'm like, oh, she's kind of barely in these movies. And she's really just there as, like, the the sexy unapproachable, just out of reach kind of girl oh, that she usually ends up being murdered. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, totally. Um, but uh, Modern Girls, 1986. Um, this appears to be the only feature narrative film made by director Jerry Kramer. He mostly did music videos and comedy specials. Um, the movie follows the exploits of a group of three young gals uh, in their 20s. Well, actually, one of them says she's 19. I'm like, all right, sure. Um, <laughs> I guess the actor's like 25 years old. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so they're friends, they're roommates. Um, over the course, it follows them over the course of one wild night in the vein of After Hours, a uh, personal mm. fave. The personalities of the three friends are basically as follows. Margot is bitchy, Cece is flaky, and Kelly, Virginia Madsen, is sexy. So, I may just refer to them as that, like, flaky, sexy, bitchy, because I'm like, I can't remember their names, and it's going to get confusing. So, um, like I said, Mads is Kelly, the sexy one. So, sexy Mads has stood up a guy named Clifford, and her two roommates pretty much just use him for a ride to the nightclub they want to go to, (laughs) to meet her. And these girls, like, go out like crazy. I, yeah. I don't know if it's, like, every night, but definitely every weekend. Hell yeah. I'm like, they do it in disco now. Like, they were going to bed at, like, 7. And I was like, oh, what's going on? And then they woke up at, like, 10 to oh, get ready yeah. for, like, an hour at least. And then they went out. So the flaky girl uh, meets famous fake pop star Bruno X. And it's important to note that Bruno X and Clifford 
the uh, the guy that was ghosted, they're played by the same actor. What? So I was like, oh, will this be an important plot point? Are they supposed to be twins? Will this come yeah. back? And the answer is no. It is not addressed. What? It's for no reason. Oh and that, dri- that kind of stuff, that's the rat boy of it all. Oh, that drives I know. That me will drive crazy. you crazy. Yeah. So, um, and he's not even like a good actor. It's not like a Peter Sellers. Like, oh man, this guy's really, he's just yeah. a fun actor. And he can do anything. It's like, no. It's just, has they want to just save money on. <laughs> I don't know. I would, I need to, I need to see an oral history about it. <laughs> so the crux of the movie is essentially that the flaky girl is going club to club over the course of the night to track down Bruno X after they get separated. And the other two are trying to track down Mads as she stumbles around to different clubs, I guess like drunk or on ecstasy or whatever. And her friends save her from no less than two near rapes. Oh. And this is supposed to be a comedy. So God. Yep. Uh, one of the clubs... Yeah, yeah. One of the clubs they visit is this amazing goth club, but another one of the clubs is called Voodoo, and it is a real collage of racist appropriation that I don't really feel like unpacking right now, but just just forewarning on that. Basically, this movie should have been a fun-like comedy filled with fun 80s outfits uh, and friendship and nightlife, but it's weird in all the wrong ways and needlessly confusing and very dicey at times, which is a bummer because like the writer is a woman, the cinematographer is a woman, hmm. um, and short of a robust edit or a considered <laughs> remake, it's its best hope is a, a how did this get made sort of takedown. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I really want to know. So was the actor switching? Like how different did he look? Between those two characters. I mean, they they even address it. Like, at one point, it's so dumb. At one point, Bruno X is, like, shooting music video that night. Why not? He's supposed to be in the corner of such and such at, I guess, 2 (laughs) a.m. And so that guy is, like, nearby because they're trying to find Bruno X or Mads at that point. And the director's like, hey, you look like him. Stand in for him. Like, it's addressed, but not all the time. And then there's, like, maybe a group of, like, a tour bus of people. Again, in the middle of the night, anyway. (laughs) And then they see him, and they're like, oh, my God, Bruno X. So it's, like, it's addressed, like, a few few times but then the, the girls don't mention it so and no strange. one else mentions it it doesn't make any sense and then you know that kind of stuff drives me i know nuts. i'm actually picturing how pained you were oh yeah with all oh, i would shut up about it <laughs> um but it's available for free on tubi <laughs> if you want to watch it again the outfits are fun there's a lot of fun yeah. art direction but it's just too dicey guys a little don't too do, close oh. to rat boy territory <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> Well, my next one is also dicey. All right. Depending on your perspective. When I mentioned to my friend Paul that I was talking about this one, he was like, are you sure that's a good good idea? (laughs) Uh, So I picked Atame, or Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down. It is an Almodovar movie. It's from 1990. And Antonio stars as Ricky, who is a... This is where I'm like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> Listen, showing is not condoning, as Lars always said. I always say it. And us talking about something is not saying, like, this is a great plot. We approve that everything. Yeah. Thumbs up, <laughs> certified fresh. <laughs> Just gonna. Okay, so yeah. all these prefaces to say. Yeah. Uh, so Antonio plays Ricky, who is a recently released psychiatric patient who's been declared cured. Yeah. Who decides that he, or he basically has planned to find Marina, who is an actress 
who's just made her transition from acting in porn and kind of slasher films mm-hmm. to bigger movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ricky and Marina had a one-night stand when he escaped the uh, psychiatric hospital yeah. about a year ago. And he's like, you're the love of my life. Mm-hmm. I just need to capture you mm-hmm. and convince you to love me <laughs> yeah. and fall in love with me and blah, blah, blah. Sweet. So... <laughs> It, that's, this sounds, again, hella dicey. And yeah. <laughs> like an SVU episode, it is, it doesn't play that way. Uh, you're familiar with this filmmaking style. It is a very light kind of comedy. Yeah. I should say that it is not like Ricky is, it's not like a BDSM thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he ties her up because he's like, I don't want you to escape. Like, you yeah. need to hear me out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and at one point, so there, you know, he goes to her apartment and he ties her up and is trying to convince her. To but it doesn't tie her down. Him. I mean, yeah, you know, it's, so like it's a fine. Whole, it's a whole different so thing. It's fine. <laughs> and meanwhile, there's the production of Marina's movie in the background, including with her sister, Lola, who's played by Lola Leon. Um, in a really great role as a producer who's just like, we got to like get the show on the road and it's yeah. kind of looking for her and in the building, you know. So there's a lot of kind of cat and mouse where they're trying to, they as a unit, Ricky and Marina are kind of hiding from the world as he's kidnapped her after she tries to escape. <laughs> kind of changes her mind. It's a real, it's like a, <laughs> like the lighthearted side of Stockholm Syndrome, yeah. I guess you could say. <laughs> I will say it also features uh, Rossi De Palma, who Amadovar discovered in a cafe. She's yeah. the one that is so the, striking looking yes. with that oh, prominent nose. It. Like he, love it. seeing her, it's always a little, a little treat. <sighs> totally. uh, she plays this pretty tough bitch motorcycle riding <laughs> uh, drug dealer. Oh, because Marina is the junkie. You know, you really can't escape the drug the drug stuff, I feel like, yeah. in 80s, 90s Spanish movies. As just like a, a motif a or whatever. It's just, yeah. yeah, it just was really prevalent. Um, something to note about the release. So in the U.S., I think it really offended Americans in terms of obscenity. Uh, there is a very hot, spicy sex scene between Ricky and Marina. I don't think that's a spoiler because it's yeah. not even near the end of the movie. And... Also, I guess the um, MPAA was offended not only by the sex scene, but also there's like a scene where Lola is peeing on a toilet and they hated that. So not the the woman being held captive. <laughs> no. We don't have a problem with that. No, no problem. Fine. Do that all day. They also, the peeing. They also really hated, there's a scene of Marina in a bathtub who is sort of pleasuring herself with this scuba diver toy and they didn't like that either. I love what they're offended by. That's yeah. really cool. Well, that's um, so classic <laughs> yeah. for them. So we yeah. got an X rating initially and then there was a legal battle because it really was not it's not an x-rated kind of movie like yeah. that makes it sound way more intense than it is and then it kind of got there was like a lawsuit with miramax sorry but it was miramax yeah uh, can't escape that, you know no. saying that this was they're unequally applying the ratings which you know we all mm-hmm. probably know that even now those ratings are harder ratings are reserved for sexy stuff not for yeah. murder and guts and yeah it's like capricious but in a, yeah, yeah totally. it really specific. So it did partially lead to the creation of the NC-17 rating, mm. even though it was hmm. um, unrated. They eventually won, I guess, and it was released unrated. But it is a, it's very campy. It's intentionally campy. It's dramatic. It's not necessarily uh, affirming all of the plot points. Just sort of playing up that machismo it is. kind of vibe it is. or something. It is. Yeah. So um, I enjoy it, but it may not be for everybody. Yeah. 
Well, that's Just, gude, yeah. like everything we say yeah, on here is like, I, mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I don't know your life. So my my third one is Gotham um, from 1988. Uh, I think I mentioned this as a radar item perhaps mm. a while back. Maybe. It was written and directed by Lloyd Fonviel, who also co-wrote Cherry 2000. That's why I'm like, I think I might have mentioned oh, it. Oh, you probably did then. Yeah. So it has all the makings of like a fun, sexy thriller but it was just too dumb and slow and confusing uh, for me. Tommy Lee Jones, an all-time favorite of mine, mm. stars as a private eye hired by this very uncharismatic, blah, rich guy being haunted by his dead ex-wife, Virginia Madsen. Um, the movie tries to convince us that Mads is haunting her husband because he didn't bury her with all her expensive jewels, <laughs> which again, like, a reveal that makes the movie sound so much more fun than it is. Like, I should love that. Yeah. Like, her jewels. <laughs> um, well, if they play it fun and not... I know. It was just sort of thrown away. Anyway, Tommy Lee, um, of course, falls in love with Mads, even though she's a, a ghost, Wait. presumably. <laughs> no, that's the thing I... I'm still not sure if she's a ghost. I think okay. she really is, though. But okay. the movie kind of plays it like, is she, isn't it? Is it con? Is it, oh. you know... But I think she is, but it doesn't, but it's not like it doesn't explain it in like a, hmm, kind of, you know, dot, 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 figure out for yourself, you know, kind of way. Like, this movie's so smart. It's like, no, it's just too dumb. (laughs) It just leaves you hanging. You're like, what? (laughs) Anyway, so he falls in love with her. Tommy Lee Jones falls in love with Mads, even though she's a ghost. um, And she'll probably haunt him now. She's been haunting her husband. Also, I think it's worth noting that I think it's meant to be in the 80s. But it's kind of got a 40s vibe to the costumes. Not everything, but that's definitely Mm, a through line, which is fun. So Tommy Lee eventually figures out some things are not as they seem and gets the better of the one pulling the con on him. Mm. Um, Like I said, on paper, this movie sounds like my own personal fanfic. Detective (laughs) Noir, Virginia Madsen haunting Tommy Lee Jones all while wearing gorgeous outfits. A jewel heist switcheroo, but the script is just a dud. Ooh. Real clunker. And it comes off like a poor man's vertigo, um, which, again, it sounds like it could be fun. Yeah, but... It's like, oh, a low-budge vertigo, maybe. No. No. Um, but it could be a candidate for a splashy remake. I could see it. But also it was hard to track down, so I think of all of them, it may be technically and i hate to say the best i don't know they're all they're all clunkers i can't i can't really fully recommend all okay. any of these but this one's also hard to find so i'm just like if you want to seek it out i mean i think if i'd watched it when i was young it would have been like imprinted on me mm. and it would have been i would have forgiven a lot more yeah but i think now i'm like no there are other good erotic thriller type yeah. movies out there so anyway I don't know, so... Although, you know, I can't... Maybe you're more sympathetic to the genre than I am. And my next one is an erotic thriller. But a lot of the 90s erotic thrillers I've seen, real clunky. And I have (sighs) these memories of watching them as a preteen and being like, wow. wow." Like, it's always like a woman... Like, the the poster is like a man and woman, like, from the side, like a profile. Mm -hmm. And the woman's head is like tossed back like oh, oh yeah and he's kissing like yeah. her neck and i was like "Ooh, that is sex that's adult that is adult situation <laughs> you watch these. and you're like okay <laughs> who wrote this a 20 year old boy yes <laughs> uh so <laughs> that segues into Do mine you? yeah never talk to strangers <gasps> 1995, <laughs> Rebecca De Mornay oh, and yep. Antonio. Mm. Uh, so it was directed by Peter Hall, who is better known as this giant of British theater. So he had this illustrious career with such highlights as 
Introducing Samuel Beckett to British audiences with the 1955 debut of Waiting for Godot in the UK. Yeah. Uh, He directed the National Theatre. He founded the Royal Shakespeare Company. And then he directed, in 1995, he directed this sexy (laughs) 90-minute SVU episode. (laughs) Why not? Because you just see, I mean, twist after twist, you're like, oh, I see what's, basically after 15 minutes, you're like, oh, okay, Uh I see what's probably going on here. So Antonio stars as Tony Ramirez in a very stereotypical Latin lover kind of role Mm. that he really got shoved into yeah. typecast wise he's mm-hmm. got the ponytail he's like a motorcycle man hmm. he's like looking pretty good though. yeah i, I like, mean oh, don't is it bad on my ponytail don't get it twisted <laughs> yeah, don't get it twisted i'm into it um, yeah. i'm trying to think of i can't imponio and i can't do it i was going for like tony ponio i don't know <laughs> I'm sorry. I was really reaching that for that. Is, it's a real Antonio moment. <laughs> uh, a Tony Pony. Okay, let's so go. So he's, he's the sexy guy that picks up Rebecca DeMornay's character, Dr. Sarah Taylor, in mm. a wine shop. Okay. So Sarah Taylor, she's a psychiatrist. She. This is another weird connection and another... Um, storyboard mascot. She <laughs> is trying to perform a psychological assessment of this murderer played by Harry Dean Stanton. Man. So she has like, everything is like intercut with her having these yeah. interview sessions with Harry Dean who's claiming that he has multiple personality disorder. Mm-hmm. That's important. I think that's yeah. it's dissociative disorder now. I'm not sure the yeah. actual mm-hmm. Yeah, dissociative or like yeah. borderline or yeah. Meanwhile, you know, she's picked up Antonio. Oh, she's fighting off the advances of her lecherous upstairs neighbor played by Dennis Miller. <laughs> Oh, good. Cha-cha. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> he's just uh, the lech upstairs. Yeah. And kind of a bit of a, I mean, I'm not going to recommend this movie, so spoiler, kind of like a red herring mm. plot-wise. Yeah. You're like, oh, wait, is he, <laughs> is he uh, well, like yeah. a real creep or just like your everyday creep <laughs> yeah, that women yeah. deal with Is he just a, a Dennis Miller's? Right. Yeah. Is he basically just himself? Yeah. She's got this kind of, no, I wouldn't say love triangle. She's got her friend Dennis Miller upstairs who is into her and she's got Antonio. Yeah. But then she starts receiving messages that make it clear that she's being stalked by this mysterious figure. Mm-hmm. Um, very creepy, very violent. It escalates it and it's, she basically starts to think that she can't trust Antonio because, <laughs> you know, he did just pick her up in this wine shop out of nowhere what's his deal (laughs) let me just say that their uh rendezvous take place in his loft which is very um i can't remember if it's supposed to take place in like philly or new york something like that um but it's you know very industrial loft and he can ride his motorcycle into that (laughs) oh god he's afraid elevator Scoots in. He really is. And then there are some... I was actually texting my friend Mario about this. The sex scenes are bananas. Like, okay. there's this... <laughs> you should just... I'll post some stills okay, if I okay. can. Yeah. There, you know, there's a lot of, like, hanging on to, like, chain link. Oh, and just, God. like, almost like... Um, it almost feels like a David Wayne parody sex scene <laughs> of what a neurotic thriller <laughs> sex scene would be like. But it's... They're just gonna, like they're like in a, there's like a chiffon curtain, but they get like strangled and like, I mean, oh, wait, like, I get lost in the curtain. Kind of, they're like hanging on, but yeah. it's just like a whole damn thing. It's real wild. Okay. Uh, so it's kind of worth it for that, yeah. but it's 
Like not. I said, basically an SVU episode where you're like, uh, oh, double, twi- triple twist, got it, okay. see it coming. Warning that uh, there is cat violence in the film. Oh, no. I mean, it's one of those Chekhov's gun thing where you're like, yeah. oh, there's a cat, this is not going to go well. Yeah. But yeah, it's an interesting, so I think Rebecca Dornay, she actually was one of the producers. So, I mean, she was into. <laughs> she had some she, control. She did have some control over this. Maybe Ooh. she was like, this is a smart character, not like my characters in Every Risky Business. Thing. And um, Hand That Rocks the Cradle is another. Yeah, she was going to, um, Guilty of Sin is another one. Ooh. It's bananas. That one, I don't know if I'd recommend it, but it's wild and i think you <laughs> might like some aspects okay it. sorry anyway yeah well i mean i liked the like sexy parts of this yeah, one yeah. this so. one's nuts like the Ooh. ending is one of the craziest endings i've <gasps> ever seen sorry now sorry. i now i really want to okay. see that i think it's available like on hulu okay, or something we'll just sorry re- rebecca just... de mornay rock blocking yeah <laughs> it is like i want to get everyone's opinion on it yeah it is crazy. you're like what this can't happen <laughs> By the laws of physics, it can't happen. Oh, oh you'll see. Ooh, I'm looking forward to that. Okay, okay. well, it was anyway, a bit of a sorry. it was a bit of a down note for. The, I mean, I will say, the Antonio character by the end, it does break the stereotype that he seems to have been typecast in. It's mm-hmm. just like this macho kind of figure, yeah. but um, it's too late. It's like he's already been he's already played mm-hmm. this role the entire yeah. movie, and then they're yeah. gonna say, "Oh, he's not." Oh really yeah, that. yeah, you got it wrong. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, but. I uh, will be looking up Guilty as Sins. <laughs> I mean, it was a I don't know. Like I said, it's not a hard and fast recommendation, but it's got some weird stuff that I want to get your thoughts on. That's okay. Anyway. We watched Sliver not that long ago, oh, and yeah. I definitely enjoyed the hell out I of that. I need to watch that again. It's another one that's just like Sliver. Oh, yeah. And just like, oh, I mean, sure and Stone. The yeah. final scene honestly still makes me laugh just to think about, so. I need to rewatch, I think. Oh, yeah. I won't spoil it. We're fixing our resting pitch faces <laughs> and ready to play another round. Yeah. So if you haven't uh, joined us before, this is a game we play where we each bring two elements of a film unknown to one another, and we reveal them and pitch a movie on the spot. And I believe we have a working title this time. Yeah. So this is just along the way, you know, I'll find some weird titles. So this is just for the masking tape, whatever, you know, on the, on the film reels. It's just, anyway. So once again, uh, Lena Verkmuller, yeah. uh, the director, comes through with a wonderful, lengthy, poetic Fiona Apple album title. <laughs> like, you know. Okay. So here's the full title. It is okay. a poem. Crystal or Ash. Fire or wind, as long as it's love. <laughs> Woo. Woo. From nineteen from nineteen eighty nine. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, that sounds fun. It anyway, does. she's she's got the best title. Yeah. Um. So the the theme I'm leading this week. So I finally started watching Fosse Verdon. Is it wait? I'm like Verdon. I keep Verdun? I keep saying Verdon, but I Verdon. I think Verdun? it's Verdon. It's okay. where wow. where you're frasering it up. Oh yeah, Verdon, <laughs> Fosse. Okay, Pussy Verdun. Okay, so I finally started watching that. And I remembered that I love watching talented people or actors portraying talented people um, rehearsing for a show. You get acting, singing, dancing, 
and probably the the only palatable way to show like inspiration or quote unquote genius on film is like in these like actual rehearsal spaces, not just like someone with a guitar like at their living room table or their dining room table. You know, yeah. I don't like that. That seems really forced. So I want a movie to revolve around people creating and or like rehearsing for a play or a musical or a show of some sort. And I've thought of the perfect person to be like the choreographer or some sort of like really bossy person involved in this. I want Richard E. Grant. <gasps> Again, choreographer, yes. slick back hair, all in black. I mean, hell, I'd like him in a leotard and tights. Oh, I mean, yes. let's go for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, uh, just constantly smoking indoors and insulting people, glaring at people. So basically, basically just with nail. Um, with like the little yeah. sweater over his shoulders. Oh, yes. And the high-waisted little pants over mm-hmm. the, you know, tight Yeah, kind of tee. really tight. It's basically a leotard. It's basically a very, very leotard. Tight top. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like dance like, shoes on. Yeah, exactly. With like maybe one of those like long staffs and he's like... You know, setting the rhythm. Mm, <laughs> you know what I mean? Dance yeah. teachers always have yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of see him as more the choreographer because I want some of those things. <laughs> I don't know. Is it to keep time or just to like look yes. scary? <laughs> the secret of Nim? I don't know. Isn't that? I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway. Um, yeah. So that's all I've got. I just want okay. him yelling at actors okay. in, a, in a mirrored room. Well, I love that okay. because my actor is an actress who just broke all of our hearts with the second most recent episode of Pose, Angelica Ross. I haven't seen any of uh, the second series of Okay, so of Pose I won't spoil, spoil anything, anything about that, but she plays Miss Candy. Okay. Um, who is kind of, you know, as a supporting actress, it just has like a breakout role, and she's a yeah. real scene stealer. And she has proven she can really dance and definitely lip sync, probably sing right. too, but she she's just so full of life and so Mm -hmm. funny and such a great actress and i think having just watched an episode where she dances really well um i think she'd be perfect as one of like the the maybe the principals Mm -hmm. in the company or theater company or Mm -hmm. something like that no um and i can definitely like see her getting into it with richard e grant oh for sure yes like a real power struggle between mm-hmm. the oh, two. Oh, that's true. Yeah, power struggle. Yeah. I love that. Do we see the show at the end? I don't know. Sometimes I don't know how I feel about oh, that. Because you don't want to have like the whole. I know. And I don't want to see the same song over and over. So maybe yeah. just, just the rehearsal. Just and the then like, rehearsal. And then the ending is just like, and then the curtain. Oh, the apart. curtain. It's oh, like, yeah. And to and the then, curtains. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, my element was that oh, I yeah, wanted. <laughs> Got ahead of myself. Yeah, what, about, what about me? Yeah. <laughs> my uh, element is that I wanted. A train station scene. So a okay. scene set in a train station. You know where it's mm. like someone's getting on a train. That was because in Bajarse Moro, there's a pivotal scene where yeah. one person gets on a train, one person doesn't. Yeah. So it could be a train station scene in, in real life or in yeah, the, yeah, in the, pro- show. Yeah, in the yeah. production. Mm-hmm. I could see it either like way. Like if they're putting on damn Yankees or something. Yeah, I know. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, I'm trying to think of... Uh, a classic show with the train. I'd, I'd kind of rather it just be like an original thing yeah. and some original songs or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But totally. You know, I'm trying to think if, if an actor should be like, oh, they'll be at the train station. We're supposed to pick them up at 10 a.m. or whatever yeah, the hell. Totally. Or if it should be in the show. I almost think it should be in the show. Okay. Let's because do it. Because I can imagine them trying to block it and yeah, trying yeah. to figure out how this works. Yeah. And then there could be, you know, <laughs> yeah. like they have this train set, All the piece, set pieces. And Richard e. Grant's like, oh my God, oh, this is not going to work. It can't work like this. This is ghastly. Like, <laughs> yeah. how dare you? Yeah. I just want to see him like, with an ash on his cigarette that's like oh, yeah. two inches long. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. 
I love I this want so much. This. <laughs> yes. I might need this to be a series. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh man, I love Richard. Like the Grant. production. Yeah. The production. Yeah. So now it's time for what's been on our radar, what we've been watching, what we are planning to watch, or things we're advising you against, which I feel like is the whole show. Well, Every, that whole show. And, yeah, everything we've <laughs> talked about pretty much this show. Yeah. So yeah. how about you? Okay. Well, first of all, last weekend, our friend Mario came over and we did dinner and a movie with Drop Dead Gorgeous. It oh. is Drop Dead Gorgeous's <laughs> 20th anniversary, I believe. I don't know. If you're a particular age and type of person, Drop Dead Gorgeous was super important <laughs> to you in high school. I fall into that category. Yeah. I remember watching it. Yeah. yeah. Um... You know, there's definitely target, also sort of dicey things. There's also <laughs> a theme of yeah. this uh, episode, and there's definitely plot points, elements that are would never fly today. Mm-hmm. No way, no how. Yeah. But I mean, you've got Kirsten Dunst, you've got Amy Adams in her first film role. That's crazy. Kirstie Alley is amazing as yeah. this truly wild rich lady pageant yeah. mom mm-hmm. ellen barkin is mm. great in it allison janney is classic classic floozy auntie yeah. neighbor role yeah it holds it's like funnier than i remembered but also there are aspects to it that i was like "Ooh, that Ugly. is not a 2019 approved <laughs> yeah. and really some of them shouldn't have been we're not probably shouldn't have flown in 1999 either, yeah. but it's on Hulu. If, you know. if it's you know, it's in that 99 range mm-hmm. for uh, a lot of us. So watch that. And then other thing on my reader is that I've also been watching Fosse Verdon, oh, yeah. uh, loving it. Love me some Michelle Williams. Ooh. Love me some Sam Sam Rockwell, although he comes across not great. Bob yeah. Fosse is not good. <laughs> yeah, but uh, they come over though. <laughs> Okay, isn't it wild that there was just this whole decades where that was an acceptable hairstyle like, for a man? This looks great. I'm I'm fooling everyone I'm with this like two strands of hair just just, just glued on yeah. down. I mean, what happens if there's a stiff breeze? It's just like the just that's it's like what a I car, picture. Uh, the hood of a car just opening up oh, there on your head. Creak. Anyway, it just crack, creaks on open. Yeah. yeah, I have been watching that on your recommendation, and that's what inspired the pitch. And uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. I love it so much. Yeah, you know it's funny. Joel confessed. He'll probably be mad that I'm saying this, but he was like, "I really like the music in this <gasps> in this show." We got. I got, I got like, him. Ah, I got him in my clutches. You do. Musicals. You did it. <laughs> Well, speaking of musicals, on my radar, there's Six by Sondheim, HBO documentary essay, I think, maybe, from uh, 2013 about composer-lyricist Stephen Sondheim that centers around, I think it's, like, structured around, like, six of his songs, so maybe it's kind of in six parts. Mm. Um, I haven't seen it, obviously, so I'm not 100% sure on the structure, like, how much of a documentary or an essay there is, but, like, I think Todd Haynes is somehow involved. Oh. So that's why I'm like, well, is it, like, an omnibus? Or is he, like, a talking head? Yeah. Or is there, like, a scene where he's huh. involved Interesting. Somehow? So I'll find out. And speaking of Sondheim and musicals, <laughs> if you're of <laughs> my ilk and you'd like more behind-the-scenes showbiz stuff, 
Um, a while back, I mentioned the D.A. Pennebaker docu-short original cast recording company from 1970 about the cast recording of Sondheim's Broadway musical company. Well, Documentary Now, which is hit or miss, mostly miss, um, <laughs> spoofed it in their third season that's now on Netflix. It's called Original Cast Album Co-op. So uh, all the Megs out there can ignore this. <laughs> this is a musical <laughs> with John Mulaney at the helm, but all the oh, Lars out yeah. there... Take notes. It's out there. You might love it. Um, and I was just going to say, if you want a good Virginia Madsen movie, <laughs> watch uh, Zombie High or Candyman. So I was just going to throw that out there. It's yeah. a little palate cleanser. Candyman you know what I mean? is legitimately good. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. a good... You watch all the drag. All that <laughs> crap. And then just in on a little yeah, a little taste of something good. A little sweet, sweet Candyman. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. Sorry. Delete. <laughs> No, we're keeping that it. Well, thanks for joining. You can subscribe to keep up with us or drop us a line at storyboardpod at gmail.com, via Instagram at storyboardpodcast, or via Twitter at storyboard underscore pod. All the links to everything we talk about, mostly. I mean, come on, there's come some on. ephemera in there we're <laughs> not going to add in. Yeah. Most of the main topics yeah. are in the episode notes. Yeah. <laughs> Till next time. At one point, there's, like, something like, die, bitch, like, written in, like, feces <laughs> over oh her face. I'm like, that's something like human poop. That's, it doesn't say it's, it's poop, but I'm like, it's human shit. shit. <laughs>